Hey, take your Bibles this morning. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture, one in the old, one in the new. We're going to start in the new. We're going to look at Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, verse number 13, and then we're going to turn to Hosea chapter 2, read just one verse for emphasis, chapter 2, verse number 15. Our theme verse is, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I want to say greater. Are you believing for a year or greater? Are you believing for a year or greater? Come on, I'm believing for greater. Last week we talked on greater faith. Today it's going to be greater hope. All right, uh, stand with me. Come on, stand with me. Romans chapter 15, we're going to read. And we, we stand because it's just the right thing to do. I'm going to say right thing to do. Someone reminded me, you know, I don't, I don't think this way all the time, but I am a, a dad, and I'm the spiritual father of our church here, so I'm going to just walk in that today. But uh, we stand because the Bible said they stood at the reading of the word. So there you go. Jesus stood in the temple. He read the word. That's a good thing, right? Jesus did it. Good enough for me? Okay. All right. That, that works. All right. Romans chapter 15, verse number 13. And the Bible says, may the God of hope. Ooh, doesn't that sound good to you right there? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Holy Spirit lives in me today. Come on. Holy Spirit lives in me. Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You may abound in hope. Such a good verse. All right. Hosea chapter 2, verse number 15. The Bible says, Therefore I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. From there I will give her vineyards to her and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. Can you just say that out loud with me, the valley of Achor to the door of hope? Everybody say that together. Valley of Achor as a door of hope. This morning, I'm going to speak to you on this idea, living a life, living a life of greater hope, living a life of greater hope. Let me pray. Father, uh, this week, small groups are kicking off, and I'm praying for every small group leader. So many. Lord, as I I perused through the website, and God, I saw the different small groups. I'm just praying your success, your favor over every small group. God, I pray that you'll bring increase into this house. I pray that people will grow closer to you and closer to one another. I bless. Bless our small group leaders today. Father, thank you for your favor. Thank you for your kindness. Open our hearts to hear your word. Lord, not my words, but your words in the ears and the hearts of those who hear. We thank you for your grace today. We thank you that you are a God of greater hope. We love you, Jesus, in your wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. The school system in a large city had a program to help children keep up with their schoolwork during stays in the hospital. One day, a teacher who was assigned to the program received a routine call asking her to visit a particular child. She took the child's name and room number and talked briefly with the child's regular class teacher. We're studying nouns and adverbs in this class, the teacher said, and I'd be grateful if you could help him understand understand them so he doesn't fall too far behind. The hospital program teacher went to see the boy that afternoon. No one had mentioned to her that the boy had been badly burned in a horrific house fire and was in great pain. Upset at the sight of the boy, she stammered as she told him, I've been sent by your school to help you with nouns and adverbs. When she left, she felt like she hadn't accomplished much. The next day, a nurse asked her, what did you do to that boy? The teacher felt she must have done something wrong and began to apologize. No, no, said the nurse. You don't understand what I mean. We've been worried about that little boy. But ever since yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back, responding to treatment as though he's decided to live. 
As time went by, the little boy explained that he'd completely given up hope until the teacher arrived. Everything changed when he came to the simple realization they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? The young boy now had hope he was going to live. Hope, oh, amen, you can clap at that one. Hope is necessary to the human spirit as oxygen is to the physical body. Did you hear that? Hope is as necessary to the human spirit as oxygen is to the physical body. Over the last several years, there have been a number of people who have committed suicide who are very famous in our culture. Uh, I was thinking of a man like Anthony Bodine. Anthony uh, had a television program on CNN. He was a world traveler, philosopher. He was a very intriguing guy. I used to love to watch his program. He took his own life. Several years ago, funny man extraordinaire, incredible actor Robin Williams decided to take his own life. Fashion designer from New York City, Kate Spade, the exact same age, born within just a couple of months of myself, the exact same age, decided that she would take her own life. There's one thing that all of these people had in common. They all believed the moment that they decided to take their life, they believed that their lives had no preferred future. They had no hope. They had no hope. Chuck Swindoll said, man can live 40 days without food, three days without water, six minutes without oxygen, but only a few seconds without hope. There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who've grown hopeless about them. Now, normally when we talk about hope, we think of hope kind of like in the context as, I hope, I hope the magic get a better team for 2020. <laughs> our team this week, we were talking about, you know, we're having our dream team meeting tonight. We're talking about whether we should do it outside or do it inside. And someone said, I hope the weather doesn't turn cold tonight. I hope it doesn't rain. Or I hope it rains Inside of us, when we express that kind of hope, there's really a sense that it probably won't happen. It's a hope that isn't completely sure. We're actually expressing our uncertainty. I hope my kids will do well in school. I hope I make that school. I make that cell. You can fill in the blank today. We have a sense of uncertainty about our future. But the Christian hope isn't the same. The Christian hope is that we believe that when God has promised something, we believe that it's going to happen, and we put our trust completely in that promise. It's a confidence that something will come to pass because God said it will. The Paul says in the book of Romans that a man by the name of Abraham, the father of all faith, Paul says that Abraham, against all hope, believed. He believed against hope. All hope that he would become the father of many nations. When we say the word hope, we say, God, my hope is in you. We don't cross our fingers. We literally are saying like William Carey said, God, I expect you to do great things in my life. John Piper defined hope like this. I love this definition. He says, biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects. Someone say, it expects. It expects it to happen. 
Now, here's the deal. You can't have faith without hope. They're inseparable. You have to have hope for a preferred future in order for you to have faith to believe the impossible will become possible. That's how you got saved today. It's how you came to Christ today. I have a hope today. We have a hope. We have an expectancy of a preferred future. Faith says, I believe it's going to happen now. Hope says, I believe it's going to happen, but it might be in the future. I have a hope today. In our story, the text that I read out of the book of Hosea, it's a story of a, of a couple by the name of Hosea and Gomer. Hosea lived about 700 years before the time of Christ. Hosea actually was a contemporary to the great prophet Isaiah. But Hosea had a different assignment. His assignment was to the 10 tribes of Israel that had been scattered and dispersed because of Israel's disobedience. And he had a word. Now, I, I tell people, don't go try this one at home. <laughs> if, you, if, you read, if you've ever read your Bible, and hopefully this year you're on our Bible track and you're reading our Bible plan through 2019, but you will come across a very unusual story. It'll make Jerry Springer look like his show is tameless. It's a, I mean, I read this again this week. I'm like, that is wild. That's a wild story. But God tells this man who was a man of God. He was a prophet. He was a man who was close to God. He told the children of Israel what God was saying in his generation. He spoke the truth. God says, I want you to go marry this woman, Gomer. Now, the problem was Gomer wasn't a little nice church girl. Gomer was a club girl, and she was a bad club girl. She was like, I don't even going to say any names, but she was just, she was a bad girl. Bad girl, bad girl, you know what I mean? She was just bad, like bad girl. And she had lots of lovers and lots of relationships. She was empty. She was hopeless. She was broken inside. Now, listen, guys, young single guys in the church, don't go doing this one, all right? But God told this guy to go marry this woman. He marries this woman, and while he's married to her, she's still cheating on him. She's still having affairs. She has a child, but it ain't his child. We had that little play, you know, at Christmas, and showed Mari and all that kind of stuff. Well, this wasn't Hosea's child. It wasn't. Mm -mm. It was somebody else's child. She had one child. She had two children. She had three children. The fact is her life was hopeless. Her life seemed hopeless. That's what it seemed like. Can you imagine as a husband how he felt? Can you imagine the hopelessness he felt about his relationship? This, this marriage, though, not only was it prophetic, it was pathetic, but it was prophetic of what the children of Israel had done to their God. They'd gone off with other lovers. They chased after other, God, other gods. A few months ago when we were in Israel, we went to a place where the tribe of Dan had built their little community. It's called El Dan today. And just around the corner, you can, you can see there's this great big, like, uh, idolatrous statues. I mean, it's just huge. And, and I remember as we were there, man, you can, you can, they, they did bell worship at this particular place. And, and man, I mean, this place, the history of this place is horrific. The kinds of things that would take place, the child sacrifices and the temple prostitutes. And the children of Israel had substituted a relationship for their God, a good God. Everyone say good God. To a false God, a cheap God, an imitation God, a God of the moment, a God of pleasure, a God of sex, a God of money. A God of, uh, uh, of my way, my feelings, my emotions. 
Hosea seemed so hopeless. His situation seemed so hopeless. He was in the valley of Achor. Everyone say the valley of Achor. There is a valley of hopelessness that every person in this room will experience. There are times in our life, the word Achor there means trouble. The valley of of trouble. That's literally what it means. It was, it was given that name because there was a guy who lived about 700 years. Listen to this. Listen to this. About 700 years before Hosea, there was a guy by the name of Achan who had lived, and he had an Achan that came to him. What happened was the children of Israel, they were on their way to the promised land. They're following Joshua. They go to Jericho. They destroy Jericho. But God says, I don't want you to touch certain things. Achan said, well, did God really say that? Kind of like even the beginning goes in. He takes those things. He hides them. But here's the deal with sin. Here's the deal with sin in life. We can't hide sin from God. He goes and buries him in a tent. It all gets exposed. And God, God tells Joshua to destroy Achan and his family. It's a very, very serious thing. The Bible says the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Gomer was, Hosea was in a, a hopeless situation. He was in a time of trouble in his life. The valley of Achor. The valley of Achor. Every person in this room will have valley seasons. Every person in this room will experience valley times. Sometimes the valley seasons of our life, they're no fault of our own, but sometimes they are. Sometimes we make bad choices, bad decisions. I've seen in my own personal life, I've experienced, I know that, like Proverbs says, the hope deferred makes the heart sick. We have a hope for a preferred future, but we seem to be stuck in a season of valley or a time of hopelessness. I've even experienced it as a believer. I've even experienced times where I just felt like, is it really worth it? Is all this that we're doing, all the things that I seem to be doing, is it really worth it? It's a lie of the enemy. You see, valley robbers come into our life, and they come like this. They come in times of disappointments. A situation didn't work out the way that you'd hoped. They come through defeats. Maybe you succumbed to an addiction or had some kind of personal failure in your life. Maybe it's financial debt. You're unable to pay your bills. You feel the pressure of not having enough money. Sometimes these kinds of experiences, or maybe we're going through a dry spell. Maybe we don't even have a desire to open our Bible in the morning. Maybe we're just in a dry spill in our relationship with the Lord. We come into church and we sing the songs, but there doesn't seem to be any energy to it. There doesn't seem to be any emotion to it. There doesn't seem to be any grace on it. We're just in a dry spell. We lose a loved one. I've seen many, many times, many times where people at the loss of a child or of a loved one who is close to them, they just feel so despondent. They feel so hopeless. A loss of purpose, isolation. One of the most dangerous things that you can do as a Christian is to isolate yourself. Stop going to small group. Stop being connected in your local church. Stop serving. Hopelessness has many triggers. But I've discovered that the greatest threat to living a life of greater hope, everyone say greater hope, is that my expectation for a preferred future has grown dim. I've lost sight of the eternal, and I've focused too long on the temporal. But here's the deal. The valley of Achor, or the valley of trouble, can actually be our greatest times of growth. Do you know where all the water runs off the mountain to? 
Come on. You know where, when it rains? Come on. When it rains, you know where all the water of the mountain runs off to? It runs off into the mountain. I mean, into the valley. Come on. All that rain comes down the mountain, and it goes settles right there in the valley. And actually, it's in the valley that things start to turn green. You can Google the Valley of Acor right now, and you will see that it's one of the more fertile places. The Valley of Acor today is a place that's got trees and vegetation and grass. It's just outside of Jericho. We were there several months ago. The val- because the rain comes down. The rain comes down, and in that valley, you have a decision to make. Am I going to lie down? Am I going to find myself in despondency, despair, debt, discouragement, and quit? Or I'm going to allow that valley season of my life bring change. Because here's the reality. Our times of seemingly delays in life are not God's denials. But they are simply moments of put your hope in God. Come on, everyone say, put your hope in God. The story of Hosea and Gomer in the natural is such a story of hopelessness. But God has a different story. God has a different picture. God has a different understanding. This is the tendency of the human nature when we're in the valley. The tendency of the human nature when we're in the valley is to do what Hosea says in Hosea chapter 2, verse number 13. In verse number 13, the Lord says to, through Hosea, he says, I will punish her. I will punish the children of Israel because they've discarded, they've left me, they've gone after their own ways. For all those times when they, she burned incense to her images of Baal, when she put on her earrings and jewels and went out to look for her lovers, but forgot all about me. What do you do in the time of Achor? What do you do in the valley of trouble of your life? Do you forget about God? Do you self-medicate? Do you stop doing the things that you know you should do? Come on. God said, the valley of Acre comes because we tend to forget about him. They were in the valley of Acre. They had violated she, that people of Israel had violated God's first and greatest command to love the Lord their God, and they had chased after other gods. And when you chase after other gods in your life, whatever it is, position, power, money, sex, prestige, beauty, when you chase after other gods, let me tell you today, every single time, all the other commands get broken. You just, they just come naturally. It comes naturally if you don't serve God with all your heart to commit adultery. If you're not serving God, if you're not loving the Lord your God, it becomes natural to lie to your neighbor. Come on, it just comes naturally. It's just kind of the automatic domino effect of not loving God with all of our heart. They would fall in love with the gods of the bells of this world. They would do like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 12. The Bible says, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in this world. Without hope. Where are you today? So they were in a valley of Achor. But that's not where God wanted them to stay. That's not where God wanted them to stay. And on December 17th, 1927, off Cape Cod near Provincetown, Massachusetts, the submarine USS 109 was accidentally rammed and sunk by a Coast Guard destroyer. Lifeboats were lowered but found only a small amount of oil and air bubbles. 
Rescue and salvage operations were commenced and led by Rear Admiral Frank Brumby, only to be thwarted by severe weather. Heroic efforts were made to rescue the six known survivors trapped in the forward torpedo room who had exchanged a series of signals with the rescue force by tapping on the hull. As the trapped men used the last available oxygen in the sub, they sent a Morse code message. Is there any hope? The captain responded, there is hope. Everything possible is being done. Is there any hope today? Is not the, not the cry of this generation? Is there any hope for the inner cities of our nation? Is there any hope for the wealth gap disparity among our people? Is there any hope for the racial tensions that plague our world? Is there any hope to find a cure for cancer that kills millions of people every year? Is there any hope for the opiate addiction that plagues our generation? Is there any hope for the crisis of the Middle East that we experience today? But let me tell you today, in order for us to walk and live a life of hope, we must pass through the valley of the acre or the time of trouble. We must believe there is a hope. We must align our heart today with the psalmist David said, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Put your hope in God. Come on, say that with me today. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, but I know somehow that only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. Only when it's dark enough can you see the stars. On August 28, 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and he declared that he had a dream. He said, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places and plains and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. There is a hope. This is the faith that I have. Then I go back to the south. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. There's a stone of hope. There's an anchor of hope today. I want you to hear today. You see, the valley in your life and in my life leads to the door. The door of hope. You see, there's a door. There's a door of hope for every person in this room. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what's happened in your life up to this point, but I want you to know there is a transition. There is a transition for someone in this room for 2019. For some of you today, you've been back here in the Valley of Acor. You've been living in the season of trouble and the problems, and God wants you to know that 2019 is your season of hope, the door of hope, the door of transition. When you get up out of that valley and you start to look up over that mountain, and you see that there is possibilities, there is potential, there is hope in your God, there is deliverance, come on, there is victory, there is success, there is blessing on the other side of that mountain, on the other side, on the rough side of the mountain, there is hope, there is hope in God, there is a door today, it's the door of promise. You see, the prophet said that the Lord said to her, I will allure her, I will speak tenderly to her. The husband calling his wife. Come on. He's speaking tenderly to her. He's trying to date her again. 
He's trying to get her to fall in love with him again. I'll speak tenderly to you. I'll allure you. I'll draw you by my Holy Spirit. I'll comfort you when you're weak. I'll convict you when you're going the wrong direction. I'll challenge you to believe for a higher level. He spoke comfortly to her. He spoke tenderly to her. Hear me today, the voice of the Father. The voice of the Father is speaking tenderly to you in this room. He says these words found in the prophet, found in the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 29, God says, for I know these are the tender, alluring words that God is speaking over someone in this room today. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope. Everyone say hope. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God speaks his promises to you. The Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. Do you know that there are over 7,000 promises in the book? Just pick it up. Almost any page you turn to, there's a promise for you, sister. Almost any page you turn to, there's a promise for you, brother. Almost any page you turn to, there's a promise for you, young person. Every promise in the book of God has been written for our encouragement and our edification so that we can build up hope because there is a door of hope. There is a door of promise that God has for you. Isaiah chapter 43 says this, forget the former things. Come on, say, forget the former things. Forget 2018. Come on, forget 2018. Someone needs to hear this word today. Yeah, you made some mistakes. Yeah, there was some mess back there, but God's about ready to open that door. Come on, there's a promise for you today in 2019. There's a greater, there's a greater hope that's brewing in your heart. Come on, don't be stuck down in the valley of Acor today. There's a mountain for you to climb. There's an obstacle for you to overcome. There's a door of promise that lays before you. Isaiah says, behold, I will do a new thing. Come on, everyone says, new thing. I'm forgetting the former, and I'm believing God for a new thing. Shall you not know it? It will spring up. It will rise up like rivers in the desert. There's a river of hope flowing in this room right now. There's a river of hope flowing through your life today. There's a river of hope. Come on. There's a door of promise. There's a door of promise for every person in this room. It's a door of promise, but it's also a door of powerful restoration. It's a door of powerful restoration. Verse number 15 he says, from there, I will give her vineyards. Vineyards. She was eating nasty. She was living nasty. But I'm going to give her new wine. I'm going to give her vineyards to her. I'm going to restore to her everything that the devil has stole. I'm going to restore to her what Satan has stole. Today, hear me today, for someone in this room, you're believing this word, you're hearing it today, 2019, not only is there a promise, but there's a powerful word of restoration. 
There's a powerful word of restoration. The prophet Zechariah, can you put the verse up on the screen for me? The prophet Zechariah says it like this. Return to the stronghold of your God. Run to the place of your fortress. Come on, the mighty fortress is our God. Run to that stronghold, you prisoners. You prisoners of hope. Come on, you prisoners of hope today. Let God captivate you. Let God capture you. Let God lock you up in a prison of hope and expectancy to be full today because there is a God, even today, I declare to you that I will restore. Someone say restore. Come on. I will restore double. Come on. God's going to give you double for your trouble. Some of you need to stand up today. God, give me double. Come on. I'm ready for double. Come on. Double. Come on. We are prisoners of hope. We declare double. God is a God of double today in this house. God wants to double your favor. God wants to double your love. God wants to double his grace. God wants to double his power. Come on, God wants to bring you double. 2019, I'm declaring over this house and over your life. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, be chained to hope today. Hope of a preferred future. Hope of an expectancy, I'm believing, against all odds. I can't see it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. But I'm believing today with the faith of Abraham against all odds when he was 99 years of age. Come on, 99. And his wife was 89. In the year of his 100th birthday, in the year of her 90th, she would give birth to a child. Everyone say, Impossible. But with God, the impossible becomes possible. Wow. You're going from the valley of Acre, the time of trouble, to the door of promise. The door of restoration, powerful restoration. Someone in this room in 2019, you're going to experience powerful restoration. I'm just, I'm, I'm sensing it right now. Come on, just believe it. It, it just can't be up here. Victory starts right here. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Come on. Victory is yours today. It's yours. Because the door, the door that you have to walk through today, is the door of the person. His name is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said, I am. I am the door. Some of you today in your spirit, I love the one brother said, when I'm going to times of testing, times of trial, times that I get tempted to pull back and to lust and to do the things that I shouldn't do, he said, I speak to myself. I begin to speak the promises of God. I begin to speak the possibilities of God. I begin to declare who Jesus is in my life. And Jesus said this, I am. Come on. I am your deliverer. I am your hope. I am your, I am your source. I am your strength. I am your helper today in your time of need. Some of you need to walk over. Jesus said, I am. John chapter 10, verse number 9. I am the door. Any man... Come on, that goes to that door. We'll find green pastures. Come on. Today, God wants you to walk through the door. This door, there's a door open before you. Come on, there's a door. God's opened a door. In the book of Acts, there was a door that opened before them to preach the gospel, to preach the gospel, to declare the good news. Today, that God is opening a door through the person of Jesus. 
It starts with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And it ends with Jesus. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is your hope today. When we first came to the city 20 years ago, we used to sing a song in the church and came out of Saddleback. I still remember it. The song was, I have a hope. And my hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. There's a promise. There's a promise that must captivate your heart. There's powerful restoration. But here's, here's the deal. It's found by being in a right relationship with one person. It's, it's, it all starts. You want a better marriage? Get right with God. Listen to me today. Hear me. You want a better marriage? Get right with God. You want to have your kids act better? You start acting better by getting right with God. Come on. You want to experience greater in 2019? Get right with God. I mean, it affects every area of your life. It doesn't mean stuff can be perfect. No. Because you got to keep looking. You got to keep looking. We got. We have a tendency. We want to lie down in the valley. Trouble comes. We want to lie. But no, no, no. Keep looking. Keep looking. So how do we live greater 2019? Glad you asked. How do I live? So how do I live greater? Come on, say it. How do I live greater? All right, you know the first thing you got to do? You got to pray. Everyone say pray. I mean, it's just real simple. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. What are you asking God for? Come on, what are you asking God for? Pray for it. Pray for it. The second thing is, everyone say, keep hope alive. Come on, keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. I'll preach that right there. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. You know who you need to preach to first today? It's easy to preach to everybody else. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, I get back there and I'm nuts and I'm, I got to get prayed and saved before I come out of here every, every single service. Trust me. I mean, every service I got to get saved again. It's easy to preach. It's preaching to myself. Start preaching to yourself. Start preaching the gospel, the good news. Start preaching to yourself. Speak to yourself. Ephesians 5.18, I love it. It says, stop getting drunk on wine. Stop going out to Dog Dude Saloon. Stop hanging out at the, at the well. Stop, stop doing that. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he says this. This is how you do it. This is how you preach to yourself. Speaking to yourself. Everyone say, speak to yourself. What are you speaking to yourself? You know how you know you're speaking wrong? When you start, man, I'm no good. Man, I failed again. How could, I'm so stupid. I can't. When you start saying those words over yourself, you're speaking with the devil speaking over you. God's alluring you. God's calling you tenderly. God's, come on. He's speaking to you tenderly like a husband is wooing his wife in the passionate moment. He's speaking tenderly to you. He loves you. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and speaking in spiritual songs, making melody. Everyone say, making melody. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. Oh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. That's my prayer for you today. And the last thing you got to do is got to get around some hopeful people. Just got to get around some people that are hopeful. I didn't know that this was going to be a small group message, but it is. I'm telling it doesn't work. Iron sharpens iron. You gotta get with other brothers and sisters. 
just got to open your Bible with someone else and talk about God and the things of God. Pray for yourself. And you just find one person in your life that you can call and talk to. That's good, man. That's really good. I mean, small group leaders, you know, especially if they got a little gift, they want to have like 50 people, but you can't build relationships. You got to, man, it, it, they went from house to house. They broke bread with, with one another. You got to have other believers speaking into your life. Some of you, some of you single people, you might be, I don't care how old you are, you're single, you think you can do this on, you, you need some of your life to, you know what, that's the wrong person for you. Some of you, though, you, you're not in close enough relationship to allow somebody to speak to your life. And some of you need to say, you know what, I, would, I don't think that's a good idea. You think that's the right idea? I mean, someone. I, I mean, you ain't going to listen to your spouse. <laughs> you need someone. Come on, get her in a small group. Now, hopefully you're listening to your spouse, but. I'm listening to my spouse. I'm telling you that. Today, I'm listening to my wife. First service, man, I'm like, so Larry, Larry and Hilden, we go back. Actually, Laura and I, our very first date, very first date was with, we didn't date them. We dated each other, but our very first date was with them as a couple. We had another guy that was with us. We called him the fifth wheel, but that's another story. That'll preach another message. But uh, 33 years, and Larry and I have been great friends. I mean, we talk all the time pray together, confess to one another, love each other, encourage one another, talk about our kids, our life. He's got grandkids. He's a grandpa now. I got to be careful because his one arm is bigger than both my legs put together, but he's a grandpa now. I give him gay gramps, you know. You got to be close to someone. Come on, you got to get in a group. You got to get relationships. Wow. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the God a greater.